Section 14b, Active Leadership Role, 14.5, The Leader as a Mentor. Mentoring is a process designed to help each individual reach his or her maximum potential. Air Force leaders have an inherent obligation and responsibility to mentor future leaders. Through mentoring, senior leaders pass on their expertise and wisdom to junior members, as well as philosophy, traditions, shared values, quality, and lessons learned. Commanders and supervisors must be positive role models and make themselves available to airmen who seek career guidance, counsel, and mentorship. They must take an active role in their airmen's professional development by continually challenging them to grow, develop, and improve. At a minimum, a supervisor's mentoring consists of a discussion of performance, potential, and professional development plans during performance feedback sessions. Conversations should include promotion, professional military education, advanced degree work, physical fitness, personal goals and expectations, professional qualities, future assignments, and long-range plans. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Winston Churchill Mentoring is an ongoing process and perhaps the most powerful method leadership can use to shape the future. It helps prepare airmen for the increased responsibilities they will assume as they progress in their careers. There are no limitations or stages of career development that would limit any individual from benefiting from the counsel of a mentor. Additionally, mentors are often appreciated by the mentees more than they will ever know. 14.6 The Air Force Mentoring Program the Air Force Mentoring Program covers a wide range of areas, such as career guidance, professional development, leadership, Air Force history and heritage, air power doctrine, strategic vision, and contributions to joint warfighting. Foremost, individuals must focus on Air Force institutional needs. The Air Force must develop people skilled in the employment and support of air power and how this meets national security needs. Mentors must distinguish between individual goals, career aspirations, and realistic expectations. Each individual defines a successful career, goal, or life accomplishment differently. There are numerous paths to meet individual career and success goals. Although the immediate supervisor or rater is the primary mentor, coach, counselor, guide, or role model for airmen, subordinates may seek additional counseling and professional development advice from other sources or mentors as well. While there are several approaches mentors can take in the form of coach, counselor, advisor, and advocate, Air Force mentoring is governed by AFMAN 36-2643, Air Force Mentoring Program. 14.7. The Mentoring Process The mentoring model in Figure 14.1 demonstrates the concepts of effective mentoring. The elements of effective mentoring described here correspond to the letters in the word itself. M-E-N-T-O-R-I-N-G Model An effective mentor, serving as a role model, understands that actions speak much louder than words. The protege is constantly observing and learning from the mentor. The opportunity to see how the mentor deals with a variety of situations is an important part of the mentoring process. Empathize Mentoring requires the ability to empathize and show genuine compassion for protégés. Mentors who remember what it was like when they were new and inexperienced may be more effective in assisting others in their professional development. Empathy cultivates bonds between mentors and protégés and fosters the mutual commitment that exemplifies mentoring. Nurture 
Nurturing emphasizes a caring attitude. Like a farmer tends to the field, the mentor nurtures the protege by investing ample time, patience, and effort. Mentors must make the time and effort to effectively mentor their protégés and provide the appropriate amounts of attention, training, and time for them to apply, internalize, and value what they have learned. Teach. The skill of teaching may not come naturally to everyone, but knowledge and experience are valuable as mentors. Consider these five simple steps when teaching and training protégés. 1. Organize the material into logical, systematic units of manageable size. 2. Correct errors immediately. 3. Frequently review previously covered material and relate the material to the current lesson. 4. Include practical exercises to help the protege exercise the newfound knowledge. And 5. Evaluate the protege's progress and provide detailed feedback. Organize. Mentors must first be organized before helping others become organized. An organized mentor knows from the very beginning what he or she wants to achieve and focuses on this goal. The time and effort spent organizing thoughts and materials into a logical sequential plan aimed at a precisely defined target pays big dividends in the form of improved learning and developmental experiences for the protege. Respond. Mentoring is a two-way communication process that requires mentors to actively listen to the protégé's questions and provide useful and timely responses. Effective mentors must remain alert to recognize nonverbal behaviors and subtle communication cues that indicate the protégé's interest in certain areas. Mentors should be proactive, anticipate the needs, problems, and concerns of protégés, and address them immediately. Inspire. More than a good role model, teacher, or ally, a genuine mentor is an inspirational mentor. Inspirational mentors have a profound impact on protégés that encourages them to transform into a more improved being. Inspiration is a characteristic that distinguishes leaders from managers. Network. A good mentor introduces and connects a protégé with others who can provide increased guidance, support, resources, and opportunities. Networking is a vital function that helps protégés establish themselves in their professional community through a solid network of friends, acquaintances, and associates. Goal Set Sometimes people lack the experience to understand the importance of setting goals or the expertise to establish specific, achievable, and realistic goals. Mentors must help their protégés understand why goals are important. Establish short and long-term goals that are specific, achievable, and realistic, and be available to assist them in achieving their goals. 14.8. The Leader as a Counselor Being involved in an airman's development and growth is essential to a leader's influence and credibility. Leaders should seek to develop and improve counseling abilities to ensure effective counseling is provided to airmen. Counseling can be conducted for a number of reasons, ranging from something as simple as discussing steps made toward achieving a goal to something as complex as addressing a significant life-changing event. 14.9. When to Counsel The key to successful counseling is to conduct the counseling as close to the event as possible. Good leaders take advantage of naturally occurring events as opportunities for providing feedback. Leaders must genuinely be interested in airmen and understand how involvement can help personally and professionally. Listening and providing assistance may greatly enhance an airman's ability to deal with the situation. 
Professional growth counseling is often conducted while reviewing an airman's duty performance during a certain period and setting standards for the next period, typically, but not only during Airman's Comprehensive Assessment, ACA, feedback session. Leaders may conduct counseling for superior or substandard duty performance or behavior. Leaders may conduct crisis counseling to help an airman through the initial shock after receiving negative news. Referral counseling may follow crisis counseling, which can help airmen work through a personal situation and may serve as preventive counseling before a situation becomes a problem. Referral counseling often involves agencies such as legal services, religious affairs, or an alcohol and drug counselor. 14.10 Approaches to Counseling An effective leader approaches each airman as an individual. Different people and different situations require different counseling approaches. Three approaches to counseling include non-directive, directive, and combined. The major difference between the approaches to counseling is the degree to which the airman participates and interacts during a counseling session. Figure 14.2 summarizes the advantages and disadvantages of each approach. Non-directive. The non-directive counseling approach is preferred for most counseling sessions. During the counseling session, the leader listens to the situation before helping the individual make decisions or giving advice. The leader encourages the airman to explore and clarify important points to better understand the situation. During non-directive counseling, the leader should refrain from providing solutions or rendering opinions. Instead, maintain focus on individual and organizational goals and objectives. Also, ensure the airman's plan of action aligns with those goals and objectives. Directive. The directive counseling approach works best to correct simple problems, make on-the-spot corrections, and correct specific aspects of duty performance. The leader using the directive style directs a course of action for the airman. The directive approach is best when time is short, when the solution is clear, or if an airman has limited problem-solving skills and needs guidance. Combined. The combined counseling approach is a blend of both the directive and non-directive approaches, adjusting them to articulate what is best for the situation. With the combined approach, the leader emphasizes the airman's planning and decision-making responsibilities by listening, offering options, helping analyze possible solutions, encouraging the airman to decide which solution is best, and assisting with the development of a plan of action. 14.11 The Counseling Process one of the most important things a leader can do when conducting a counseling session, regardless of purpose, is to ensure the intent is established and the environment's appropriate. Although the length of time required will vary, when possible, conduct counseling during the duty day, aim for the counseling session to last less than one hour, and be prepared to schedule a second session if necessary. Both the leader and the airman should clearly understand why, where, and when the counseling session will take place and be prepared to discuss main points, pertinent information, and plausible obtainable goals. Finally, the environment should have minimal interruptions and be free from distractions to show respect for the airman and the conversation. Even when you have not prepared for formal counseling, you can follow the four basic components of a counseling session. State the purpose, discuss the issues, develop a plan of action, and record the plan. These steps can be as simple or as elaborate as the situation requires. Also, schedule any future meetings, at least tentatively, before closing the session. Appropriate measures to consider following the counseling may include a follow-up session, making referrals, informing the chain of command, and taking corrective measures. 14.12 
The leader as a coach. Effective leaders often serve as coaches who must thoroughly understand the strengths, weaknesses, and professional goals of members of their teams. Leaders coach airmen similar to the way athletic coaches improve their teams by setting goals, developing and implementing plans of action, and providing oversight and motivation throughout the process. 14.13 The Lost Art of Feedback During counseling sessions of any purpose or intent, there is a matter of feedback to be addressed. Feedback can provide a spark that inspires change in a career or personal life for the better. Through feedback, recipients can discover and develop in ways they did not know or think they were previously capable of. Regardless of how the feedback is delivered, showing genuine consideration for the individual is important. When a leader remains true to the nature of the feedback and delivers the message consistently, these perceptions are more likely to be subject to the trust established between the leader and the individuals they're responsible for. Two types of feedback are supportive feedback, reinforcing an ongoing behavior, and corrective feedback, desiring a change in behavior. The feedback strategies suggested here offer a logical and effective sequence of events for helping an individual attain a goal. The person planning the session must decide on the desired objective or outcome, whether the outcome is expected to be achieved within five minutes or five years after the feedback session. Supportive feedback. Supportive feedback is used to reinforce behavior that is effective and desirable. Although good performance and appropriate behavior are expected from the employee, if supervisors concentrate on what individuals are doing well, then superior work is what individuals become aware of. What is reinforced has a tendency to become stronger, and what is not reinforced has a tendency to fade away. There are a few things to keep in mind when giving supportive feedback. Acknowledge the specific action to be reinforced. Immediately let the individual know you are pleased about something he or she did. Be specific and describe the event in behavioral terms. You finish the project, action, on time, result. We can begin to move forward to impact. Explain the effects of the accomplishment and state your appreciation. For the behavior to be reinforced, the individual must be able to see the effects of that behavior in specific observable ways. Your efforts were a major factor in securing the contract. Effect. I am pleased with your outstanding work. Appreciation. Help the individual take full responsibility for the success. One approach to help the individual internalize the success and receive satisfaction from it is to ask how the success was accomplished or if any problems were encountered and how they were overcome. In talking about what happened, the individual is likely to realize how much he or she was really responsible for. Ask if the individual wants to talk about anything else. While the individual is feeling positive and knows that you are appreciative and receptive, he or she may be willing to open up about any other issues. The positive energy created by this meeting can be directed toward other work-related issues, so take advantage of the valuable opportunity. Thank the individual for the good performance. Thanking the individual for the accomplishment assures your appreciation will be uppermost in his or her mind as he or she leaves and returns to the work setting. Corrective feedback. Corrective feedback is used to alter a behavior that is ineffective or inappropriate. A corrective feedback session may not be a particularly positive experience, but there are ways to ensure the most desired outcome is achieved. When an individual is made aware of undesirable behavior, having an immediate alternative can be effective and powerful in shaping behavior. 
It can also help the individual to come out of a personally uncomfortable situation in the shortest possible time and help protect the dignity of the individual. The leader should establish himself or herself as a supporter of good work and good workers, which can go a long way in developing strong, productive, supportive working relationships. By presenting an alternative the individual might never have considered or that was considered and rejected, the leader would make the individual aware that an alternative was available at the time they chose to act otherwise. This awareness can facilitate the individual in taking responsibility for his or her own choices. That is, the individual would realize, that's right, I could have done it that way. Here are a few things to keep in mind when giving corrective feedback. Immediately describe the event in behavioral terms and explain the effect. Clearly relate in specific, observable, and behavioral terms the nature of the behavior and the effect it had on others or the organization. If you can appropriately say something to reduce the employee's embarrassment, the employee is more likely to accept the feedback in a non-defensive manner. Ask what happened. Before assuming the individual is at fault, ask what happened. In many instances, the subordinate is not at fault or is only partially responsible. At worst, the individual is given an opportunity to explain before you proceed. At best, you may receive information that would prevent you from unduly criticizing them. Help the individual to take full responsibility for their actions. The more time spent on finding out what happened, the easier it will be to help the individual take responsibility for their actions. The individual needs to learn from the experience and be willing to correct it. Develop a plan to deal with the issues. Once the individual has accepted responsibility, the next step is to help rectify the situation by collaborating and devising a plan to take action. This is also an excellent opportunity to build on the individual's strengths. I'd like for you to show the same fine attention to safety regulations that you show to job specifications. State your confidence in the individual's ability. Once the issue is resolved, end the session by stating your confidence in the ability of the individual to handle the situation and your interest in following up to provide additional feedback when necessary. The objective is to allow the individual to re-enter the work setting feeling as optimistic as the situation permits. Additional Feedback Guidelines the more that supportive feedback is cast in terms of specific behaviors, the higher the probability that those behaviors will be repeated and eventually become part of the person's natural way of doing things. The more that corrective feedback is cast in specific behavioral terms, the more it supports problem solving and the easier it is to control. Here are a few more examples of how to provide feedback in a productive manner. Present observable effects. If the employee is to learn from feedback and respond to it, they must be able to see clearly how the behavior impacted the group's performance, morale, etc. When the employee perceives the feedback objectively, the issue will be depersonalized and they will be more willing to demonstrate appropriate behaviors or modify inappropriate behaviors. If specific observable behavior is not addressed by the leader in the feedback session, he or she should expect the individual to ask for examples or more details regarding the issue. Be prepared to provide clarification so the individual can begin to understand the specific observable behavior being addressed. Focus on actions, not attitudes. Just as feedback must be specific and observable to be effective, it must be non-threatening and respect the dignity of the person receiving the feedback. Rather than taking the approach of stating something like, You've been acting hostile toward Jim. It may be more appropriate to describe the actions by stating, You threw the papers down on Jim's desk and used profanity.
determine the appropriate time and place. Feedback works best if it is given as soon as feasible after the behavior occurs. Waiting decreases the impact that the feedback will have on the behavior. The passage of time may make the behavior seem less important and some of the details of the behavior might be forgotten. From the individual's viewpoint, the longer the wait for the feedback, the less important it must be. Try to eliminate unnecessary stress or suspense regarding a meeting. A more appropriate approach would be to say, do you have time to talk now? Or when you reach a stopping point, drop by my office. On the other hand, the leader might convey a quick observation by telling someone informally, that was a great presentation at this morning's meeting. Choosing the time and place is a matter of mixing a little common sense with an awareness of comfort levels and norms in the environment. Note, in many instances, praise in public is appropriate and appreciated. Also, almost without exception, corrective feedback is more appropriately given in private. However, some group norms prefer privacy with regard to any feedback, praise or otherwise. Sometimes, work group norms prefer to make a big deal out of good work. This does not mean that the group does not value good work, but supportive feedback in private might prevent the feeling of breaking the norm, even when it's in a positive manner. Refrain from inappropriately including other issues. When supportive feedback is given, introducing an unrelated topic could undercut the supportive feedback. However, in certain situations, it may be appropriate to give supportive and corrective feedback in the same session. If giving supportive and corrective feedback within the same conversation, rather than connecting the two with the word but, use and instead. This method allows both parts of the sentence to be heard clearly and sets the stage for a positive suggestion. Perceptions of feedback. The person giving the feedback is responsible for relating the situation as he or she observes it, and the person receiving the feedback is responsible for relating what he or she meant, felt, or thought. From the recipient's viewpoint, the first principle is, you can't tell me how I am, and I can't tell you what you see. Although most people realize that giving feedback correctly requires skill and awareness, they may find it just as important to learn how to receive feedback. Receiving feedback can be challenging. It is very common for people to disagree with, disown, or attempt to justify information presented during a feedback session. To prevent or minimize defensiveness and miscommunication during a feedback session, there are a few things to keep in mind so the information is perceived as valuable rather than as a personal attack.